Familiar Street by Eric Del Carlo. Read for you by Amy Weaver. Lisbeth had always hoped he'd be loyal in the end. He'd imagined the tragedies, the valiant demises. His master would meet death with eyes open and steely clear. He'd have wizardly shaft in hand and lightning blazing from his gnarled fingers. The earth would tremble under his feet as he took one last stand against the forces of iniquity forever haunting this world's dark corners. It had seemed the most likely ending for so noble a soul, so staunch a magical warrior. Fisfit had seen the aged, rugged man in action so many times, fighting against withering odds, engaging enemies of obscene cunning and strength. Yet the robed and bearded old fellow had met every challenge, vanquished every foe, or at least fought them to a stalemate. Still, Fisfit was realistic. He had been by his master's side for many years, acting as a remote set of eyes for the old man, serving as scout and spy, for a cat can go anywhere if it's clever enough. But more, this fit was sometimes his master's conscience, offering quiet counsel on tangled matters, or, perhaps above all else, he had been the ancient's companion, reliable, constant, endlessly forgiving. Those occasions when the two of them sat silently, with the long, bony fingers stroking through his fur, were the memories that came most readily to Fisbit now that the master was dead, or almost dead. But had Fisbit been sufficiently loyal? Had he seen his duties through their ultimate end? The master had chosen him above all other animals, had recognized the special spark within the feline form he inhabited. Only the master's own magics had let him live to his fullest potential, unlocking his shape-shifting abilities, expanding his mind, giving him a richness of emotion. The old man hadn't died in combat. His final act was nothing grand, no last gesture, no culminating battle against evil. A stroke had walloped him, an insidious storm of the brain. Fisfit had found him on the floor of the overstuffed cottage. He had panicked at first, thinking invaders, thinking shades and specters and all sorts of perfidious beings come to assassinate the magic-wielding oldster. But no. When he realized the truth of what had occurred, he had thought first of restorative spells— of recuperative incantations inscribed in the many musty books jamming the living space. That, too, though, was a misapprehension. Such enchantments were for the undoing of magical injuries. It was age which had failed this man, a terrible and base impairment for which sorcery could do nothing. And so, after attempting to make the pitifully groaning magician comfortable where he lay on the floor— Fusfit had shifted and picked up the archaic rotary-style telephone and called for help in a voice gruff and shaky and unnaturally human. He had always spoken to the master in meows and purrs and was always understood. The ambulance came, and here now was an invasion. These crude, non-magical people, so disrespectful of the master's lair, 
wondering aloud how hoarders could live like this. They had bundled the old man up like so much laundry and ferried him away. Fisfit, struggling to maintain human form, rode in the motorized cart for the sick to the terrible, sterile abode of suffering. Meat technicians pawed the master. Scans were made. Gobbledygook explanations were given to Fisfit, who passed himself off as the old man's nephew. The stroke was catastrophic, a life-threatening event. He would not recover from brain injury. He would likely not experience another moment of clear awareness. There was nothing left but the untidy catching up of the body to the death of the mind. If the nephew wanted, he could sit at the bedside until the end. But it was very difficult to sustain the shape and to remember to do all those little human things. The arcane social conventions like apologizing. Why? After a sneeze. Fusfoot fought and felt himself sweating and trembling, badly enough that the body mechanics inhabiting this awful place wanted to treat him. He refused. He stayed by the master's bed until midnight. Then, with the parchment-skinned man snarled in unfeeling, monitoring equipment, with eyes shut and half of his craggy face abnormally slack, with his body shrunken and seeming the waste by the minute, at that time, Fisfit released himself from the unnatural form and became the wiry black cat once more. He left the terrible place of sick and dying and went out into the new lonely midnight. Too much heartbreak awaited him back at the cottage, that gnomy little house of fanciful design, snug in the spreading shade of a vast ancient oak on the edge of the city. There he had dwelled with the master, observing the concocting of potions, musing alongside the formidable old man as he pored over antediluvian texts penned in a dozen dead tongues. Fisvit had been there for the battles, too, risking his hide, tripping up the feet of ghastly creatures who charged the wizard, undertaking dangerous sabotages of temporary enemy strongholds. The war never ended. Evil was tireless. The master had never made claim to being a saint. He could be bad-tempered and dreadfully stubborn. He could be contrarian and shockingly intolerant. He could be... But he was none of those things now. Now he was just... gone. The absence rang inside the black cat as he stalked through the soft, forlorn nighttime. He had been feral when the master found him and chose him. He supposed he would return to the streets, to the alleys. Living as a human had little appeal for him. The shape-shifting was burdensome, and humans were careless creatures. The master had fought for them, protecting this world from demonic encroachment, and there wasn't a woman or a man among their neglectful number who knew enough to give him thanks to spare him even a kind thought. Fusfit padded along the buckling sidewalks, slipping beneath parked cars when necessary. Stealth was his watchword. Actually, just sneaking around like this, avoiding random inhabitants of the city and the odd, wandering canine, was child's play compared to the perilous missions he had assumed in the line of duty to the master. 
The forces poised to bring harm to this world were forever trying to gain footholds to establish outposts. The ultimate goal was to prepare a full-on invasion. Many times had Fusvid helped the old man to upset a lair to send dark soldiers back to their sinister dimensions. The instincts of a feral cat returned easily to him. Almost too easily. Once more, he questioned his own loyalty. The master might not even be dead yet. Not completely, not officially. What if he came awake in that torture chamber of a bed, if only for a few seconds, gasping and bewildered, only to find the bedside chair empty? That was where he should be, at the master's right hand, the place of the familiar... The Swiss fur prickled. His black tail cut back and forth in agitation. A darkness glowed in the yellow feline eyes. Cat, look out! Some part of Fusvet registered that this call was a cat cry, but that part was well behind the instinctual reactions of both the magician's servant and the alley cat he had once been. His limber little body sprang, and he was out of the way of the figure on the skateboard who went careering down the sidewalk, the tails of the long dark coat flapping, a screeching laugh playing out behind it. How had Fusvet not heard that coming up behind him? The skater turned a corner and vanished. The cat turned back, looking for the source of the called-out warning. Another cat sat in the recessed doorway, a Siamese, with exaggerated pointy ears. Its coat was sooty white, darker markings on the face. It stared directly at Fusvid but made no challenge. It exuded a watchful calm. Fusvid had learned good manners from his master who even at his most irascible was unfailingly polite. He said to the Siamese and cat talk, Thanks for the heads up. The race are mostly just nuisances, said the white cat. That was a wraith? Fusfoot was shocked. Not so much that the Siamese could speak. Not all cats could, but this one had that intelligent air about it. About her. She was a she, he saw. Rather, Fusfit's shock stemmed from the fact that he had dealt with wraiths in the past, working with the master to bring down the evil beings, or at least chase them back to their hideous ethereal realms. The skateboarder had seemed a normal human, more or less benign. I haven't seen you around here before, the Siamese said. Fusfit stepped toward the doorway. The street was relatively quiet, little traffic, either vehicles or pedestrians. The buildings were old, probably plenty of mice around, as well as trash cans to root about in for food. Fusfit would miss meals out of his bowl at the cottage, the special treats the old man would give him. Sorrow choked his throat suddenly. He suppressed his grief and said, I used to be a street cat. Now, I'm one again, I, I guess. Any human passing would just hear two felines meowing in the night. Lost your comfy gig, huh? Mm, that's tough, I'm sorry. While Fusfit appreciated the sympathy, there was something vexing about the Siamese's offhand manner. Yes, it is tough. 
Are you hungry? You want something to eat? Pisfit didn't remember other cats, even talking ones, being this supportive in his old feral days. Back then, he remembered a daily and nightly struggle to stay alive. He wasn't especially hungry, but that was something he was going to have to overcome in this new-slash-old life of his. He would eat whenever he could, sleep when it was safe, and keep alert to all the dangers of the street. With that in mind, he followed the female cat. They went together down the sidewalk, encountering no other skateboarding wraiths. Fisfit turned in with the Siamese at another building, even more dilapidated than the rest on the street. They went in through a boarded-up window with a loose slat. He was wary, though by now his little stomach had started to rumble despite his supposed lack of appetite. His yellow eyes were tuned to the darkness. The two of them weren't alone in the structure. Fisfit's ears pointed forward. He heard movement in the next room. Human sounds. The white cat glanced back, then kept on going as Fisfit hesitated. Chalky? The person cried. Hey, I got that pate stuff you like. Fisfit caught the unmistakable pop of a can opening, followed by the scrape of a fork. These were the happy sounds of feeding time. Cautiously, he edged up to the doorway, peered into the adjoining room, where a portable electronic lantern burned. There was indeed a human there, and he was setting an open can on the floor for the Siamese, Chalky. The white cat devoured several mouthfuls, then raised her head and said in cat-speak to the human, The black one there is back on the street. I don't know what happened to his master. The human nodded like he understood. It was another shock for Fisfit, particularly when the man turned to look at him in the doorway. He was a nondescript human, bland of face on the slovenly side. The master had been fluent in cat. Could this person also understand the feline tongue? You hungry? The man asked. Yes, Fisfit said. But it was just a simple meow. Again, the person responded, rummaging in a paper bag, coming up with more cans. He read off the labels until Fusvid heard one he liked. Then the man popped it and set it on the half-rotted floorboards. After a further pause, Fusvid trotted forward. Whatever else, this was better than going through the garbage bins. He gobbled up half the small tin. Chalky ate more leisurely nearby. What's your name? asked the human. Fusvid. Busfoot, the man repeated. And yet still, the black cat didn't know if this person truly understood. He might merely be duplicating the meow sound Fisfit had just made. Chalky lifted her head again and said, It's probably Fuzzfeet. Fuzzfeet, the human said, smiling. That's cute. It wasn't cute. The master had given him his name, Fusfit. A name worthy and mysterious. A familiar's name. What did you think yours used to be? The man asked the Siamese. Just something? <laughs> Chikike. The white cat said with amused dignity, and the human chuckled. He did understand. Fusvit stared in dismay. What was this? 
What could possibly be happening here? I'm going to change, the human said. Unless you want anything else from the store tonight? Uh, change away, Chucky said, starting to groom herself. With that, the man's form wavered and melted, and he dropped down from his human height and settled swiftly into another, much smaller shape. Not a cat. A rat. The illusory clothing disappeared. The shift was as smooth as any Fisfit himself had ever made. The rat regarded him with proverbial beady little eyes. You're both... Uh, familiars? Fisfit asked a bit breathlessly. He had never heard rat laughter before. He heard it now. Chalky tittered as well. The Siamese recovered and said, If anything, we're former familiars. But the word's a little florid. Sounds silly. You'll see. Will I? Fisfit asked. If you want to stay in our company or on the street, you will, said the rat. Maybe Fussfeet doesn't want to stay, Chucky said. I'm Fussfoot. He meowed it louder than he meant to. He expected some placation, but Chucky immediately rejoined. <laughs> no, you're not. You think you've got some exotic name, but you don't. You think your master was some sort of powerful wizard, but he wasn't. Everything's different now. He felt his back go up, his black fur stand on end. How dare you, he hissed. You don't know anything about my master, how great he was, the good deeds he performed. I'm sure he fed you and changed your litter box regularly. But all the rest of it, no, sorry. Listen, Fuzzbeat, we're telling you this for your own good. You've been party to a deception. No, a delusion. One perpetrated by the person you've called the master. With a capital N for, uh, how many years were you with her or him? He. For five years. Very well. That's five years spent contributing to his fantasy. Absolutely no one on the street will blame you for any of it. You need to know that. But... Well, Buzzfeed, it was all a crack of shit. He could just leave, not listen to another detestable utterance from this cat and rat. He didn't need their charity. He realized that he too could shapeshift now and then into a human in order to make cat food purchases, once he figured out how to get his hands on money. But instead of leaving, he stayed in the shabby room of the building that was plainly abandoned by people, and he listened. Chucky took a few steps toward him, regarding him with a solemn cast. What do you remember about the day that your master chose you as his... familiar? The slight pause made scornful familiar. Also, Fisfit actually heard the lack of capitalization for master. But he checked his anger for the moment. He came upon me in the twilight... On the streets of the city, he beheld me. I didn't fear him. I was drawn somehow. He raised his magical staff, spoke an incantation, and in that moment I was born into something new. My consciousness expanded. Soon I knew how to shift as though the power had always been inside of me. 
Well, said the rat wryly, it always was. Chalky turned. Quiet, Nibbles. Look, Fuzzfeet, or Fuzzfit, if you want to continue with that while you adjust. Listen, there's only one magical feat a wizard is truly capable of. One great spell, and that's it for all of them. And it's the one he perpetrated on you. You're raising, you're uplifting, whatever you want to call it. Your master was almost certainly a mad old man, but he had the power, patently, because here you are, to seek out those rare animals which can be released from the normal bounds of their kind. Some cats can speak felines, some cannot. Am I right? I am. Some very small numbers can do what you and I do. We think, we feel, we shapeshift. We do more than that. In fact, we do everything you no doubt thought your master did. The spells, the pyrotechnics. None of that was him. It was all you. Had Fisfit been in human form, he would have shaken his head sadly. You're insane. No, Chucky said firmly. Mind you, it's a mutual delusion. When you share with the so-called wizard, you see everything he does as lofty and mystic. When my master got loaded on schnapps, I thought he was falling into deep meditation, communing with the cosmic energies. When he stayed up late reading comic books, I saw him studying enchanted tomes. I was cooperatively deranged. Fisfit's claws extended and retracted, half unconsciously. He didn't want to grapple with this, didn't want to give this madness the least consideration, but his intellect wouldn't let it pass. What about the battles we fought? He spat. The armies of evil we repelled. I saw lightning shoot from the master shaft, driving apparitions and phantoms back to their noxious dimensions. Your master's magic staff was probably a cane, said Chalky. I thought mine wielded a mystical wand. Turned out to be the TV remote. But enough. Armies of evil, you say? Fine. Let's go outside. I'll show you some of your erstwhile enemies. Again, Fisfit nearly fled. He sensed that what came next in this night of lunatic revelations might undo his resolve, might lead to his conclusive betrayal of the master. It was one thing, one rather terrible thing granted, not to stay by his deathbed until the very end. It was some other order of disloyalty to recant him, to even begin to entertain the possibility that this wicked cat and rat were speaking the truth. But he went with the Siamese and the chittering rodent. Vehicular traffic was almost completely absent now. This was a run-down neighborhood, half forgotten by the rest of the city. But there seemed to be a curious tenor to the night's quiet, a subliminal hum, something for the ears of animals, perhaps only special animals. Chalky had the power of cat speech, Fisfit didn't doubt that she could also shift like the rat nibbles could. 
The stretch of street was not empty of those on foot. Fusfit saw shapes moving about, human forms, or human-like. As with the one on the skateboard earlier, they moved with a strange stealth. They flitted and glided. One was on a pair of rollerblades, cutting a ballet course down the opposite sidewalk. Others hopped like frogs. They also mingled, stopping to interact with one another, speaking in guttural sounds that Fisfit couldn't make out. Chalky walked out among them, where they circulated on the sidewalk. Nibbles scurried alongside. Reluctantly, Fisfit followed. Chalky walked out among them, where they circulated on the sidewalk. Nibbles scurried alongside. Reluctantly, Fisfit followed. See her in the gray coat? That's a shade. That one with red sneakers? He's a goblin. These are all the creatures you fought against. At the side of your master. Fisfit gazed about in horrid wonder. They didn't look like the monsters he'd battled. Yet they did. They were subtly similar. He recognized body movements, postures. Now that he was out among them, he even heard their speech better, caught familiar intonations. He heard the low growl of the specter, the whine of the imp. These were the invading beings come to this world to visit untold evil. But they were performing no diabolic deeds in the street tonight. They seemed to be doing nothing more sinister than going about their everyday business, were daylight and these figures a little less odd-looking? This could be a normal street scene anywhere in the city. No one attacked their trio of cat, cat and rat, as they moved freely through the fraternizing crowd. Finally, Chalky called Fisfit over to the same recessed doorway where she'd sat when she warned of the skateboarding wraith. Fisfit felt dazed. Those are beings from another world. Another plane of a reality more like. Chalky spoke gently. They fled oppression in their own realms and made the perilous crossing to come here. But they didn't come alone. The wizards followed. These were enforcers on the other side. A kind of state police. But they weren't equipped for the crossing. It undid their minds. They became doddering old fools, with only that single power left to them. The ability to spot and augment this world's only native magical beings. Back home, this was a power used to detect enemies of the state, here. In this decidedly unmagical world, it unlocks the dormant mystical potential of the occasional cat, or rat, or raven, or what have you. This fits back didn't go up. His claws didn't extend. Instead, he shivered there in the doorway. The... The wizards are evil, then? They are the... Enemy? Chalky flicked one triangular ear, which is the cat's way of shrugging. Old men lost in the fog of dementia aren't really anyone's enemy. 
almost managed to assume lives here. And when they found themselves their companions there, familiars, well, so much the better for them. When the wizards went out on a quest, everyone else just played along. They would pretend to fight back, pretend to be vanquished. It was all pantomime. Harmless. Fusfit gazed out again at the denizens of the street. They were a somewhat rambunctious lot, perhaps, but he saw no evil there. In fact, they were starting to look friendly to his yellow cat eyes. It's beginning to wear off, isn't it? Chalky peered at him closely. Nibbles, too, gazed with a look of concern. You'll start to remember things differently now that the spell's broken. Those will be your real memories, the way events actually occurred. You will recall your master differently, too. Don't think too ill of him. He was a casualty in a war that had nothing to do with any of us familiars. A look of wistfulness touched her feline face. I remember my guy fondly. He wasn't a bad sort. Always fed me. Gave me head scratches and belly rubs. If he also thought he was a powerful wizard fighting the legions of malevolence, well, hell, so be it. The black cat slowly ceased to shiver. He felt his perceptions changing even further. New memories were waiting to arise. He knew why this must be. His master had at last died in his hospital bed. It was master, not master. And that was right, as it should be. He would be able to accept all this, eventually. You all right? asked Nibbles the rat. Yeah, Fisbit. Are you going to be okay? Chalky asked. He looked at his two new friends. Please, call me Fuzzfeet. Eric Del Carlo has been selling his fiction for over two decades. His short stories have appeared in Asimov's, Strange Horizons, and many, many other venues. His novels, both solo and collaborative, have been published by Ace Books, Dark Star Books, Loose Id, and other houses. His latest book, The Golden Gate is Empty, written with his father, Vic Del Carlo, is available from White Cat Publishing. Eric is a native Californian and a Hurricane Katrina refugee. Find him on Facebook for comments and questions. Amy Weaver is an actress, writer, and voiceover artist working and living in Los Angeles. 